be 14 points this morning, amen? But I tell you the first point that's on my heart this morning that I think is a weight that we need to lay aside. I think we need to lay aside, and it's also a sin this morning. It's that weight and that sin of pride. Somebody say amen. Brother, I'm telling you, we're living in a prideful day. We're living in a time when things are more about others than it is about him, amen? Life isn't about me and life isn't about you. Life is about serving Jesus, amen? Life isn't about the spotlight. Life's not about me getting my name in lights. Life's not about me elevating myself. You say, preacher, you've been preaching that a lot. I'm trying to get us to cross over, amen? And I'm telling you, friend, if we're gonna cross over, we're gonna have to die to ourselves. We're gonna have to put our wants, our wishes, and our desires on an altar somewhere. Listen, pride isn't just magnifying the flesh, but pride is saying, God, I can handle this. God, I can take care of this. God, I can do this in myself. That's as much pride as anything else. And it can be a weight in all of our lives. The weight, the sin of pride is something that needs to be laid aside. When you think about pride, you think about the pride of face. That's people that think that they look better than others. And then there's the pride of place. That is those that have some status in society. So therefore, maybe they're rich or maybe they've got some political or some position in society. So they think they're better than others because of that position. That's the pride of place. And then there is the, there's the pride of race. And uh, that's thinking that you're better than somebody because you're white or you're you're better than somebody because, uh, uh, listen, you're some other color or some other nationality, the pride of race. Uh, and then there's the worst kind of pride of all, and that's the pride of grace, amen? That's looking down your pharisaical nose and saying, well, uh, you know, I don't do like they do, and I'm glad I don't live the way they live. I'm gonna tell you something this morning, friend. I believe I'm right on the money right now. I believe I'm preaching exactly what God would have me to preach right now. We'll never have revival until we deal with the pride that's in our life. Now, sometimes as a pastor, you just got to steamroll over some things. That's what I'm doing this morning. I'm just going to steamroll right over it. Amen? I've been preaching enough. I don't know everything, but I preach enough knowing pride's in the building. And he's here this morning. Say, so, preacher, why are you all not talking? Listen, I need to be talked to like this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What got Satan kicked out of heaven was pride. The first sin was pride. God said there's seven things that he hates in the book of Proverbs. And the number one that tops the list is a proud look. Amen. Friend, if there's anything that makes God sick, if there's anything that makes God upset, if there's any sin that God said is number one on my list, it's not the sin of drinking. It's not the sin of carousing. Those are wicked and those are ungodly sins. But but it's the sin of pride this morning. It's magnifying the flesh. I'm telling you, had it not been for grace, had it not been for God, we'd all be in hell. We'd be in a Christless eternity. I don't deserve the blessings of God this morning. I've not done anything to merit it. I've not done anything to earn it. I'm telling you this morning, friend, we need to lay aside the weight and the sin of pride. Amen. You say, Brother Gravely, I don't have any pride in my life. Maybe you don't. But you be careful this morning. Every man, including the one you're looking at this morning, we deal with an element of pride. And the way you conquer pride is you acknowledge it. David said, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You've got to point it out. And if you can't see it, you've got to ask God to show it to you. 
Pride is the only sin that makes everyone else sick but the one who has it. Amen. Pride will blind you. Pride will bind you and pride will one day bury you. That's what it did to Samson. Samson had, a, had, a, had godly parents. He, he had a goodly heritage. He had a great physique. God had blessed him. He was the strongest man in his day. But I want to tell you something. The strongest man in the Bible had a problem with pride. He let his own talent and ability that God had given him, he used it for his own self-gratification. And I want to say this morning, if we're going to have revival, we've got to put ourselves at the back of the line. Amen? The Bible said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross because of his humility that mindset of humility the Bible said in verse number 9 wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now if what I'm saying bothers you, it only bothers you for one reason. That's because you're guilty, friend, and you might as well go ahead and wave the white flag of surrender and get in an altar somewhere and say, dear God, help me to lay aside my sinful pride. It's hindering my life. I've met people that the Holy Ghost would say, I'm talking about people I pastored. The Holy Spirit would say, pray for them, but you can't help them any further. Pride got a hold of them. I've stood in the pulpit and wept, begged and pleaded and watched people grip the back of the pew and pride keep them there. I'm sure that I've pastored people who have walked through the very gates of hell and are there this morning because of pride. Pride's a serious sin this morning, friend. Pride is something we all need to do inventory in our life. Pride can raise its ugly head up in just a moment. Just in a testimony, just even in a sermon of preaching the word of God and preaching, if I'm not careful this morning, pride could raise its head up and I could begin to elevate the flesh this morning. Oh God, help me. God forbid that this morning. May people not see me. May they not see you, but may they see Christ high and holy and lifted up. You know why John the Baptist was the greatest, Jesus said? Because John had it right. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. It's not he must increase and I must decrease. John said, I must decrease and he must increase. The reason for that this morning is, is that Christ will never increase in our life until we first decrease our flesh, until we put ourselves on the altar and sacrifice who we are and say, dear God, I want to be dead to myself. I want to be dead to my sins. I want to be dead to others that Christ might live in me this morning. The weight, the sin of pride. What about the weight and the sin of problems this morning? We want to lay aside every weight of our problems. You know, I think sometimes what hinders is we come to church and we major on our problems. I'm not saying, listen, don't misunderstand me. If you're going through a trial, there's nothing wrong with getting up saying, church, would you pray for me? I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a, I got a heavy burden this morning. Would you all pray for me? But don't even make that problem about yourself. Amen this morning. I'm talking to the preacher. I'm talking. Listen, you don't want me to get up here and preach and spend the whole time taking my sermon and the sermon be about what I'm going through. There's nothing wrong with using something as an illustration, but it cannot be about me. Can I get an amen right there this morning? If it's about me, it's not about him this morning. 
If you follow me, then, then this morning, you, you're to follow the man of God. I understand that. But a true man of God will point you to Christ. Isn't that right? He'll make Jesus big in your life. It'll not be about the pastor. It'll not be about the preacher. I'm trying to get off of that this morning. But what I'm saying is we cannot magnify our problems this morning. We cannot, if you focus on your problems, you're going to live a defeated life. God is bigger than our problems. And most of our problems are not near as big as what we magnify them to be. The devil is a master at helping us to take something in our life and making it so large and making it so big. But I want to ask you this question. You didn't get here by yourself, amen. You've been saved maybe 10 years, maybe 20 years, uh, maybe 30 years or maybe 50 years. I don't know how long you've been saved. But look back to how the day you got saved and look at where you're at right now. Who got you to where you're at? There's been problems, there's been trials, and there's been troubles. uh, But somebody has helped you through everyone. And the same one that saw you through the problem of yesterday is the same God that still rules and still reigns today. He's still on the throne. He's still large and in charge. He's still got everything in the palm of his hand and nothing is too big for him. Nothing takes God by surprise. And if you'll look up and lift his name up, he'll help you through your problems. Amen. I think sometimes God don't remove problems in our life so that he can be glorified, but more importantly, so that he can be glorified in our life. Because he knows this, that until we learn the lesson of glorifying God in the midst of sorrow and making it more about the God uh, in the sorrow than the sorrow, then we continually face those problems. You ought to lay aside some weights of problems this morning. Quit dwelling on maybe it's financial problems. Maybe you got a prodigal son or daughter driving you crazy this morning and you've prayed and you've cried and, and it's brought you down. Don't give up on them. But can I say this? You can't forget them and you'll never forget them. You'll continue to pray for them. But you got to live life. You got to go on and have joy. The Bible said weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. God's able to give us joy and sorrow at the same time. He's able to help us to have those burdens. uh, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. But don't let the weights of life, don't let the pressures of a job. I think too many times we miss out on worship. We we fail to have revival because we get so wrapped up in the problems that we're facing in life uh, that we fail to forget that life is just temporary. But what we're doing this morning, what we're gonna do this week is eternal. Can I get an amen right there? There's some eternal things that God wants to do in all of our lives this week. You know, I can go back through my life and I bet you everybody here can testify to this. I can go back through my life and I can see some very critical points where a man of God preached a sermon and I went to the altar and boy, God helped me in such a way that it changed my life forever. It was a life-changing sermon. There were life-changing meetings. Can you relate to that this morning? I can go to meetings where right here I went to church not not expecting, not knowing what God was going to do. But little did we know, we thought it was just another revival, just another Sunday service, just another meeting. But God showed up in such a way, brought a message out of nowhere, spoke to my heart. And it was not just a life-changing service, but it was a life-changing meeting. Life-changing meeting. I remember one, one January, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And said, I want you to have this meeting and I want you to tell the church that we're going to pray for 25 people to be saved. Over here in this building. 
And we had that meeting. We knocked doors and knocked doors and knocked doors. And I think that meeting went about three and a half weeks. And I can't remember how many people were saved. It's well up into the 30s was saved. Some of you remember that meeting. So how many of those people you think really got saved? I don't know. But I know what God told me. He told me, tell the church in January we're going to have a meeting in June. We're going to see 25 people saved. I argued with God for two weeks over that. I said, well, Lord, I'll announce a meeting, but I don't want to say that number. Hey, I don't have that kind of faith. Lord said, just put that number out there. You know, sometimes God will put you to the test. Sometimes God will put you to the place where you don't have no, no other alternative but to look up and to trust Him. You see, that's what problems does. They put us in a corner sometimes, but they bring us into reality. And what God wants you to do this morning, don't let your problem hinder you. Lay that problem aside. You say, preacher, I can't lay that down. I, I've tried laying it down and I pick it back up. You ought to put it on this altar this morning and say, God, this week, I'm not worrying about that. This week, I need help from heaven. God, I need you to speak to me. I'm tired of carrying that load. I'm tired. I told you a few weeks ago there was something I carried for two, for two years, and one day I got so sick and tired of it. I wish I'd have got sick and tired earlier, but I got so sick and tired that I laid it on that altar, and I said, God, I, I can't do this no more. I said, God, if sink or swim, if, it, if everything falls apart in this area, then, God, I'm just going to trust you, but I'm, I'm just tired of worrying about it. And every time it would come up, boy, the flesh and the devil would bring it back up. Every time it would come up, and not in faith, but in weakness, I would say, dear God, I would just say, you know what? I'm not worrying about that no more. God, I'm just trusting you with that. Lord, I, I can't do anything about it. Would I have fear? Sure, I would. But David said, what time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. You know, faith doesn't always mean exercising faith. It doesn't always mean you don't have no fear. But it means you choose to trust faith rather than trust your fears this morning. What about the weight and the sin of problem, the weight and the sin of pride? And then here's one this morning that needs to be preached on, the weight and the sin of pleasures. This morning, I'm not against entertainment. I'm not against recreation. God knows we got to have some of that in our life. We need it. We need a little coming apart period, don't we? Can I tell you something this morning, church? This church world and this society we live in, they're drunk on pleasures. To the point that we're living in a time when people shun their responsibilities over their pleasures. I'm not necessarily talking about working a job, but I'm talking about when it comes to the house of God, it's amazing how people put pleasures before the things of God. It's not just in the pews, but it's even in the pulpit today. We've got preachers that are so driven by pleasure. I, I'm not being fair sickle. I'm just being honest with you. They don't take the calling of God serious as men of old did. They don't spend that time in prayer and the Word of God too driven by the pleasures of this world. God doesn't put a man full time so he can just sit around and be on a big vacation. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? I'll tell you, if you're, if you're full time in a ministry, there's a lot of work to do. Amen. There's a lot of work to be done. We've got too many lazy preachers in this day and time. We've got a lot of lazy church members too. This morning, if you're sitting here, you ought to put church above the pleasures of this world. You ought to want revival bad enough this week that you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm cleaning my slate, I'm canceling everything, I'm putting everything on hold. Oh, preacher, if I do this, you wouldn't believe what, this will happen. Let it all fall apart for one week. Somebody say amen. 
It'll still be there on Monday when you go back to it. I guarantee you, law still be there when you go back to it. Hunger for God. You cannot be full of the pleasures of the world. You can be saved and be full of them. But you cannot be spirit-filled. You'll never get from God what God intended for you to have if you love the pleasures of this world. I'm not saying a man can't fish, you can't hunt. I'm not saying a lady can't do something. I don't even know what women do for pleasures. I don't know. Maybe they sew. I don't know. That sounds like work to me. I don't know what you do for pleasures. Whatever women do, amen. But I'm going to tell you something. Y'all put it, you ought to put it all aside and get closer to God. I remember when I was 15 years old, I loved baseball cards so much. I, I, everything, I, I, listen, I, I slept, breathed, dreamed, everything. Baseball, baseball cards. Daylight till dark, summertime, a wiffle ball bat, amen. Amen, a piece of paper and four rocks and some duct tape. Makes the best ball, you can knock it a mile. And we played from daylight till dark. But when God started telling me about preaching, I remember the Lord spoke to me one day and he said, you know what, you love baseball cards more than you love me. And in my room there, I had a whole bunch of them baseball cards. And I remember one day the Holy Spirit said, you don't have to give them up. But if you'll give them baseball cards up, God said, I'll bless you. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. I'm not saying anybody in this room, if you've got, you got a stash of baseball cards, more power to you. I'm not saying that they're sinful. But in my life, they had went to the forefront. It has so consumed me. God wasn't, listen, I was going to heaven as much then as I am now. God said, you want to move up closer? Turn loose of that. That's got such a hold of you. And I remember I boxed them up one day. I took them down to my friend. I traded with him all the time. I took them down there to him. I said, here, I'm on. I said, you can just have all of them. Man, he thought I'd been sniffing paint. <laughs> That's all we did all summer. He said, what? I said, you can have every one of them. He said, why? I said, you wouldn't, you wouldn't understand. But I said, they're yours. And I'm going to tell you something. When I walked out of his house, I can't tell you the liberty and the freedom I had in my soul. It may not be baseball cards that's waiting you down this morning, but there's something. If you're not careful, there may be something. You know, for me, for my life, God called me to preach about three months later. And I don't know, but I thought a lot of times about that. If I'd have held on to them, I wonder if God had ever called me to preach. I wonder how serious I'd have gotten my Christian life. Sometimes you got to give up some pleasures of this world. I'm not telling you you can't have fun in life. I, I enjoy life. I enjoy every day. I like to have fun. I like to, hey, I, I like to play ball. We played ball back at the fall festival, and I enjoyed it. But I want to tell you something this morning. God wants to be number one in our life. Don't you want to see people get saved? I'd like to see a lot of people get saved. I'd like to see some people get, I'd like to see some hard cases get saved. I'm going to tell you something more than I want to see us build a new church. And I believe I've been going out there to the property when I can and just praying. I don't want to cut one tree down until God says, 
do something. Let me go out there and pray, and I believe God's going to let us build a new church. I don't know when and how, but it's coming. But I'll tell you this more than I want to see that. Oh, I'd like to see a harvest of souls this year. I'd like to see some church members, some good church members that are, that are here this morning. Your pastor loves you, but I'd like to see some of you. I'd like to see you get closer to God. I'm going to tell you something this morning, church. Being a pastor is not about getting paid on Sunday. It's not about how many people shows, how many people's on the board or in the church bulletin. A real pastor, if he's a real pastor, he loves people. And you really want to see people get closer to God. And there's some of you this morning, I want to tell you, I've agonized over your soul. You love God, and you, I believe you love me, and I believe you love his church, but I want to see you get closer to God. I don't want to be satisfied as your preacher just seeing you sit here. I want to see you get closer to the Lord. Amen. I want to see you get right with God in your heart. I don't think you, as far as I know, you may not be out in no sin, but you, the fire's went out. The fire's gone. Don't you want to get your fire back? I'm going to tell you what God did in the 60s. He ain't changed. And I like to look back to it, but I don't want to live in the 60s. Y'all don't either. He's the same God in 2019. He was in 1961. Is that right? You know the difference in 1961 and 2019? People had a burden. They went after people. They went after people. They hunted them down like bloodhounds. And they witnessed to them and they talked to them and they, they said, come on, we're having revival. You got to come to church this week. Don't you know people's just as mean in 1961 as it was in 2019? I'm sure you witnessed to people and they said, I don't want to go to church. But people had boldness. They said, well, we're praying for you. whole church is down there praying for you to get right with God. You ought to leave that on somebody's doorstep. whole church is praying for you. I bet some of you sitting here this morning, you've seen that and seen people come, hard cases come to church that said they never darkened the door of a church because people prayed and they had a burden. That's what we need today. But if we're going to ever have that, we have to lay aside the weights. We've got to get them out of our life. I wonder as we stand this morning.